Hello, and welcome to Smooth Scaling, the podcast from Insight Partners that helps revenue leaders scale their software companies at every stage of growth. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan, and today I'm speaking with Jennifer Chow, Vice President of Revenue Operations and Enablement at LaunchDarkly, a feature management platform that gives DevOps teams the ability to control how new software is delivered to customers. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. You, I'm excited because you got a topic or two that is near and dear to my heart. Well, we, we skip the chit chat here and we dive right in. So Jennifer, I'm going to ask, as you reflect on your career, what's a critical initiative that stands out in your mind as having had a major impact on revenue performance? Well, the first thing that came to mind was uh, how we were using customer signals for quick wins. Okay, so customer signals can mean a, a lot of things. That could mean signals from prospects or signals from existing customers. Can you expand a little bit on, on what those signals look like? Yes, definitely. So on this particular one, we were using existing customer signals um, because this one was focused in our expansion play. No one ever says there's too much pipeline, uh, and the math is really simple. It's, to make target, you either increase your ASP, you increase your win rate, or you increase the volume. So in this particular play, uh, we were focused on you know how do we do quick wins, and we uh, chose to simplify that play and make it a quick win based on uh, usage. Got it. So you're tracking the usage of existing customers in, in the platform. I think I read you handle trillions, literally trillions of feature flags, even on a, on a daily basis. So I'm curious, what sorts of signals are you extracting and, and how do you get those signals over to the sales team? We track a lot uh, in our product. We did have to partner with a vendor for this particular project. It was actually the, the new vendor that we partnered with that brought to light some of the signals that we can use for our PG play. One of our adoption metric is seed usage. With the, the impact of macro, we realized that we needed to bridge our pipeline gap. The quickest way that we know to do that is through looking at existing customers. We had a lot of sales that was already uh, in play. And what we did was we looked at our customer metrics and uh, simplified what, which play that we want to do. Um, and coming into the, the quarter, we decided that we're going to do a uh, five-seat expansion play. And through that, we uh, standardized what that playbook would look like for this particular play. One particular thing that we did was we partnered with this new vendor. We set up signals that identified accounts that meet a certain threshold of usage. We also put into this playbook what is the messaging that you would do when you pick up a phone and call the, the account. We also coupled uh, with intent data from uh, another vendor that we partner with. We find that there is a combination of usage threshold and a buying signal from the market, that is a super hot signal. So the way that we did that was we did a couple of things from RevOps. Uh, this was an idea that came from my systems leader. They decided to auto-generate or auto-create leads that would meet that threshold. So we put into the Rev's normal lead flow. We create opportunities. All the Rev had to do is really qualify in or qualify out. Well, you, you already answered a couple questions I had, but just to, to recap on, on a few of those. One is, I was wondering where the idea came from. You said it was from a, a systems leader. Was that somebody in marketing? Was it somebody in product? It's actually somebody in WebOps. It was a revenue in my team. Oh, brilliant. And then they had this idea, and then I would assume you then reached out to the vendor because you had that particular need and you were trying to find somebody who could fill it. Is that accurate? It's actually the other way around. We had been working with the vendor to map out what these customer signals would look like. We wanted to know a lot more than what I'm describing here. And the leader saw the, the mapping to like, oh, we can definitely use, leverage this information. 
and get this play that we've been uh, having. Interesting. So there was already a use case that you were leveraging the vendor for, and then this was an incremental use case that either came from some combination of the RevOps person or this classic example of a challenger sale where the vendor said, hey, you know, you can actually use this to do something even more than you're contemplating. The other question I, I had that you, I think you answered it in, in part or whole is how did the AEs come to know about it? Because a lot of times data comes into systems and it just sort of lives in there. So in this case, it sounds like leads get generated. The AEs qualify them, I guess, as sales qualified leads, SQLs or or whatever, however you refer to them to. And then I presume that they engage those clients afterwards. Is that account executives, is it account managers who actually is, is the one who reaches out? The account executive. So in our world, um, our account managers are the account executives. So we created the leads so that they know that there is a hot lead in there that you should talk to. How do you think about optimizing the funnel for this particular initiative? I would say that this was not widely adopted. One of the things that we had done was continuously having my team members uh, check in on reps or regions that may not have looked at the leads that were there. So we would tell them, you should look at them because there are deals that's been closed uh, based on uh, what we've uh, signaled out. So I think that's you know, one validation where we can quantify the impact from the field and, and the adoption to it. Yeah, I've noticed in my career that reps are very hesitant to adopt new things, but there's often one person or team that our early adopters gain some success. And then once that happens, the bandwagon definitely follows on from, from that. The best stories come from the field when AEs can validate this is working for me. Those are the best stories that we can hear. I also appreciate that your your team was going out and looking for non-compliance or non-usage with this. And rather than just saying, why aren't you using this or you should use this, you actually were echoing the stories from the folks who actually had closed deals or echoing the stories of, of deals that were closed. Oh, trust me, the first deal that came out, we were blasting all of our Slack channels, leaderships and uh, our reps channels, because the first one actually came three days after we rolled out the initiative. That's when the first deal closed. And I would assume reps had access to this information otherwise. It, it's just that they're sitting with so many accounts, with so much information, it's really hard to separate the signal from the noise. So by servicing these leads to them, it, it allows them to just get really, really efficient with what's going on. Yes, that was the hope. And and we're seeing a better adoption to it. In the first two months that we uh, rolled out the initiative, we actually generated six-figure pipelines. We rolled out as a five-seat expansion play, um, but there were multiple opportunities that came out of it that were much more than that. Are there other signals that you're thinking about applying plays on besides this one? And I would obviously want to get this one nailed and and adopted and successful before you look at other things. But in addition to seat usage or seat utilization, what, what else are you contemplating? We want to test out additional sales plays that would be on other usage metrics and other adoption metrics that we do. And this may lead into another initiative, which is taking a revenue approach to territory plans. How do we use customer signals that are for intent for new, uh, acquiring new customers? So you're speaking my love language with respect to territory planning and, and how to do that in a more sophisticated and dynamic fashion. So yeah, can you just frame that up a little bit? How did that idea come about and, and how is it evolving? I was actually say this is probably more of an evolution of what I've done in the past. I was introduced to taking a revenue approach to territory plan by one of my previous sales leaders. And the way that it was done in the past, he just sold me a template and said, 
I want a list of accounts and I want to see how, how the reps think about which accounts going to be the best target and how uh, they're going to map out their route to revenue for how much money they're going to want to make. So I put that in a more systematized framework, I would say. How do we bring that into a more simplified manner for the AEs? Part of scaling that's really difficult to do is finding things that are very complex, simplify and then uh, systemize and automate where it makes sense. You know, how do we simplify the target list? So we had to uh, get a lot of signals from the field. What I used to do is tier them. Uh, it's a tier A account that um, should be prioritized. Doing territory planning uh, and having an account plan is more about prioritization and mapping the account as a, a fit to the product than anything else. A couple of clarifying questions there. So you'd mentioned that product, I would assume you are multi-product company. So part of that is mapping different people within the company to so the different launch darkly products. Is that accurate? Currently here, yes. But previously when this was uh, more, where my work started with this approach was targeting new accounts in a, in startups that had one product. Got it. And for Launch Darkly, in this context of where you're applying it, are you prioritizing both new and existing accounts? Is it mostly existing accounts? How are you approaching that? We're doing it on both. So mapping that out, putting that list together, my team did a lot of work on analyzing what should the accounts be for this territory? We use intent data with buying signals. We use demographic information, some ICP information, but not a whole lot. Predetermining a list of accounts that are top targets for a territory. And those things were supplied to the rep so that they can determine which what should be my target account this year and how should I prioritize them. It sounds like they hold those accounts for a year. And during that year, are you reprioritizing them as you get new data, as you as you get new intent signals, for example? That is the plan. A little bit of a dynamic territory assignment concept there, where if there's signals that comes strongly later and the account may have been a C or not even a target account, it doesn't change the assignment, but it could impact the party. Right. The other one that I dealt with when I've worked on this in the past is to accommodate growth. And the way I had handled it in the past is we assigned all known accounts out to existing AEs, but we had a territory field like territory one, two, three, four, five, right? And they knew that certain of the accounts would move to new hires who in who inherited those territories, right? So if you have whatever, 25 AEs, and there's, I don't know, 30 territories, when the 26th AE gets hired, the, the reps that are holding some of those other accounts know those are going away. I'm curious what you've done in order to manage the sort of the to be hired, because it's not like you just hire all your reps on January 1st, right? They're getting hired throughout the course of the year. I wish that nothing changes in the year. So everything status quo as we walk into the year, uh, that would make our lives much easier. Um, but that is not the case, and it will never be the case in our uh, database Then they're just assigned to the manager. So as new reps comes in, they would uh, reallocate or uh, as new intent data comes in, that could we shuffle. And do the individual managers move the accounts to the, to the new higher reps, or is that something you do centrally within operations? We would determine what they are, and then uh, operations would uh, do the mass assignment. Okay. And if something comes inbound, I guess, during that time, then you know that the that you would give it to somebody on the manager's team. 
Right, because the accounts already assigned to uh, the owner in the system is actually showing the manager. There's rules that we would work with our B- BDR team uh, that uh, determines the routing and the appropriate uh, assignment based on our territory rules. I've had a theory for a while that maybe there's another, there's so many rev tech software solutions out there, but that maybe there's one for this this territory management. There are a few companies out there that do it, but I found most RevOps leaders do this in spreadsheets and exports from Salesforce or whatever CRM you're using. Is this territory management and prioritization something that you're doing in your CRM? Is it? Are you using a tool for it? Is it spreadsheets? How are you approaching that? I would love to say that we do all this systematically and our systems are G-sheets. <laughs> Yes, yes. Well, I think that's 99.9% of folks do this in, in Google Sheets or Excel, which which makes perfect sense. It's impressive that you're actually using a tool, an intent tool, not just for prospecting, but also for existing accounts. Was that something also, I guess, that your your RevOps teammate had, had conceived of? I don't think I've seen that before. Yes. It was something that I saw, but I really couldn't have the time to dedicate to it. And I needed someone to that can has a systematic mindset to bringing the data into the people that need to need to use it. So I put the, uh, the person in, in charge and implementing the tool uh, took some time. And as soon as all of that was set up, this idea came and they rolled with it. So it's nothing that I could have impacted, but it was like when I found out, I'm like, that is great. Brilliant. You've made a long career in revenue operations. If you were to give advice to somebody who wanted to become the the head of RevOps and enablement somewhere, what do you think they should do to to follow your path? Wow, that's a that's a big question. I started out my career as uh, actually an order admin and a data entry analyst, and I, I think that really sets me up with understanding both the data and uh, the business side of the need, especially when it's the order admin and deal management. That really sets up my career down the road as really being having the, uh, the lens on go-to-market motions and why that's important to the business and thinking about the impact the rest of, of it has that should align. So I would say that really helps shape uh, how I see uh, operations and RevOps as a whole is being is the understanding of deals, data, and how it impacts uh, go-to-market. Well, you obviously had to pick up a lot of other skills in addition to what people think of as deal desk, for example. Was that all on the job? Was there media sources that you consumed? How did you get smart about all the other things, compensation, territory, other systems management, forecasting, analytics, right? I think it's the opportunity that fell into my laps and I had a partner with a lot of people to figure things out. I didn't have the, the knowledge initially, but you acquired that over time. There were people in my life who opened my eyes to paths that I didn't see. Did you have a, a mentor like that in your career? I did. I would say I had two of them. One was one of my manager in, uh, she was a director of sales ops, uh, one of the first directors I worked for. I actually have a background in hospitality. So when I came into tech, she was the director for my uh, for my group. We stayed on even through jobs, sharing what we learned in all roles since we worked together. The other is the head of sales that I worked for for many years. I would say he's the challenger to my mind on what to deliver for a sales leader. When you say challenger to your mind, you have to expand on that, please. He would ask questions that I would never think about or never have thought of that would lead me to want to solve the problem for him. Jennifer, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Smooth Scaling Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, or tell a friend. 
For more information about the topics we discussed today, check out the Insight Partners blog at insightpartners.com slash blog. See you next time.